You are listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Follows me on Instagram, so maybe, maybe there's just a there's a discrepancy there. Good morning, church. Uh, a quick life day, life update for me. I know most of you and most of the church has heard or saw pictures if you've seen any of our services recently. Uh, our family, my family, me, uh, my wife Sabrina, grew by one like really beautiful seven pound, fourteen ounce little baby. Um, here she is. Yep. Oh, I'm gonna yawn now that I'm looking at a picture of her yawning. This is great. Uh, she is amazing. She was, yeah, born at July 18th at 10:14 a.m., <clears throat> which is a real refreshing time for a baby to be born. Uh, our son was born at eight o'clock at night, and when we were talking about Shauna coming, uh, Ron was like, he, she's going to be born July 23rd, like he was trying to guess, and he's like, I think I'm hearing from the Spirit here, July 23rd at 1 a.m., and I literally looked at him, I was like, why would you do that to me? There's nothing like being exhausted, like not sleeping very much, trying to take care of my wife and all that, and then it being like super late in the morning at 1 a.m., and then being like, here, here's your baby, like take care of it. Also, hospitals are funny because when you get like surgery, this isn't in my notes, sorry, when you get surgery, they like open you up, or they do things to you, and then they watch you for like a week. When you have a baby, they like, a day goes by, and they're like, here you go, go home, and like make sure this living thing stays alive. They don't even ask you, like, are you ready? They just hand it to you and they send you home. Like, hospi- I, don't, I, I think hospitals are dangerously irresponsible. But thankfully, I have Sabrina, and she's the most amazing, loving, caring wife and mother. Um, so I don't ever have to really worry about anything, because whenever I have a question, I'm like, what do we do? Sabrina's like, slow down, like, calm down, right? Like, this is what we need to do. So I'm very fortunate. Uh, I know, I think she's, I she's either watching this service or the next service. So if you're watching now, Sabrina, I love you. You're pretty, and you're my favorite. Uh, yes, but Shauna has been a, a fun addition to our family. Uh, it's been just exhaustingly fun. Let's, we'll put it that way. Uh, I, I was blessed that my wife let me get a little bit extra sleep last night. When I tried to get out of bed at once, she's like, no, you're speaking, just lay back down. And I did one of those, like, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no. And so I laid down, and I slept, like a good husband should. Uh, but this morning, we're going to be kicking it old school, okay? Uh, I wanted to really speak out of the Old Testament, and when I saw it, like, I, like what Mark said, when I kind of saw Mark's Instagram, because I do follow him on Instagram, uh, he's lucky in that way, and uh, I, I saw what was going on in his life, I, I saw his post about his grandfather, and my wife and I were just really sad about that, and I was praying for him, and then it seemed like the next day he was making a post about his truck breaking down in the middle of like Utah somewhere, and I was like, this is insane. And I just texted him, I was like, are you okay, man? Like, how can I pray for you? What's going on? And we, he, we, we contacted, like, we were con- talking back and forth a little bit, and then I was like, I just said, hey, can I, can I take Sunday for you? Is, would that be helpful, or is that something, is that asking too much? And he's, he literally said, no, thank you, like, take it. Um, and so when I said that, I started praying, and I, I heard the Old Testament, and we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 6 today. Um, and so before I start, I'd like to just say, uh, one big thing up front that if you're taking notes or if you're one of those people who sleep a little bit into the service, that's okay. When I was a teenager, that was me. Um, you want to hear the good stuff up front. This is one thing I want us all to hear this morning would be this is that is the question, are you willing to see things through God's eyes? Are we willing as a church, as a group, as a body, or are you as an individual willing to see things through God's eyes? Um, and see, most people don't know this about me, um, but I have terrible eyes. 
I know you're, you can see me up here right now. You're like, Ryan, your eyes look fine. Sabrina always tells me I have like pretty brown eyes. And I'm like, brown's like the most boring color. But it, you wouldn't know by looking at me or interacting with me. But I have, um, I'll just say God awful eyes is the way I usually describe it. But what happens, what happens is I have contacts usually most of the time. If I don't wear my contacts, I must be wearing my glasses uh, or I do not function as a normal human being in society. Uh, and so I, I compare myself to like Velma from Scooby-Doo, like when her glasses always seem to fall off and like the point in the show when she needs them on and she's like on her knees finding them. That's how my vision is. It's not quite as bad as my brother Tony's, thankfully, if you're watching. I gave you credit. He always like, whenever I say my vision's bad, he always has to say that his vision is actually worse. But my vision's really bad. And then on top of that, um, hardly anyone knows this about me as, as well, is that I'm also colorblind. Uh, and I have what's called astigmatism, which means my eyeball is not shaped right. So like my eyes were just in the womb, like I don't know what I was doing. My body just was like really, really lazy, but my eyes are just so bad, Un, like laughably bad. And so when it comes to choosing to see things through God's eyes or my eyes or my own eyes, it's a pretty easy choice for me to make. If I'm going to choose my eyes or God's eyes, I'm going to choose God's eyes every time. Now, my brother Chase, I have, two, I have two older brothers, by the way, sorry. My, my brother Chase has 20-20 vision. It's amazing. It might be a little bit harder for him to choose, but because he can trust his eyes. I literally cannot trust my eyes. Whenever people are like, look at that over there, I'm like, great, I totally see it. And in the back of my head, I'm like, I don't see what they're talking about. <laughs> Especially when they say, look at that blue thing. And I'm like, I just see, I think purple, maybe. Seeing things through God's eyes is a life-changing choice for us to make, church. It's not a one-and-done operations. We, st- we start by seeing ourselves the way God sees us. Um, and John chapter 1, verse 12 says this, church, it says, and to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And this is something we've been, we push really heavily with our students and the student ministries up there across the parking lot or across the pond, as I say it sometimes, um, is that our students, we were trying to get our students to understand every week or as much as we can that they are created in the image of God, like Mark said, and they are a child of God. That, that Who their identity is in Christ is that they are a child of God, someone that God has made, has thought of, put forethought into, and then created and, get, and loved and given a life. And so when it comes to seeing us, who, seeing us through God's eyes, how we would see, or how God would see us, I'm so sorry, how God would see us, it comes to, it's a life-changing choice we have to make every single day. And then it continues and continues, and we see other people the way God sees them. We see circumstances the way God sees them as we choose to see things through God's eyes. So we're going to read 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to read, uh, we're going to start off by reading verses 8 through 18 this morning. So follow along with me. It's, uh, it's about 10 verses, but it's a little wordy, um, but it's actually really entertaining. So it's kind of a funny story. Uh, and it's uh, the story of Elisha, okay? He is the prophet of God at the time. Don't confuse him with Elijah. They really sound alike. And he is the prophet of the Lord, and he's going around doing prophet of the Lord stuff. He's working a bunch of miracles. And then he gets to this point in his life in the story, and this is what happens. It says, now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. Go figure. Who knew? After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. So like over there. The man of God sent words to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on that place indicated by the man of God and time and time again, Elijah warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. 
This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which one of you is on the side of the king of Israel. He literally thought he had like a mole or a traitor working for the king of Israel because everywhere he went, no matter what he did, the king of Israel knew where he was and just didn't go there. Um, None of us, my lord the king, just said one of the officers, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king answered or ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent the horses, uh, he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God, Elijah, got up and went out early the next morning, an army whose horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant responded. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. This like, whenever I read this, it gives me goosebumps. Did anyone else get goosebumps? Like, ooh, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed, open his eyes, my lords, that he may see. Open his eyes, lords, that he may see. Then the Lord ordered the servant's eyes, or opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. And as the enemy came down toward him, Elijah prayed to the Lord, strike the army with blindness. And so he struck them with blindness as Elijah had asked. And this story, I love it. Again, I get goosebumps when I read it because when just the words like open his eyes so that he can see and the words, there are more with us than there are with them, even though we couldn't see. <clears throat> and so I have a few points for us this morning out of this passage. And we're going to read a little bit further down a little bit later. But my first one would be this, is that if we uh, see things through God's eyes, we can see God's plan. So when we open our eyes to see things through God's eyes, church, we can see God's plan. And I would also say that like when we see things through God's eyes, we can see God's plan and then we can actually make the adjustments we need to make. Um, Because there's nothing like seeing the plan of God in our life and like actually knowing what it is and then still not choosing it. I've done that a couple times. We see that because Elisha's eyes were open to God's plan, he was able to warn the king of Israel every time the Arameans uh, went out to war and were trying to lay traps for him and were trying to capture him, were trying to defeat the king of Israel. Every time they went out, the king of Israel knew where not to go or knew where to pick his battles or how he should fight because he already had the advantage. And I chose this point first to, to see God's plans because I believe, uh, like, to put in putting the hardest point first, so we have a little bit more time to process it and take it to heart. Uh, like Galatians does with the, the fruits of the Spirit. If you know the fruits of the Spirit, it starts with love which is the hardest one, but it starts off with it. Like, you can't go to any of the other ones until you start with love. Um, and so, um, this point, I really believe it could be the hardest thing for us to do is to actually see God's plan. And so, I, I love to talk about my wife when I speak, like any good pastor usually does. I mean, I don't know what it is about being in front of a pulpit, in front of a bunch of people. I just want to shout from the mountaintops how great my wife is. Uh, and I, I could talk all morning about how beautiful she is, how amazing she is, how great of a mom and a wife and all those things. And so I have to stop myself or we'll be here all day. But what I want to say is that my wife is a very organized person. She's the type of person who has a, a schedule, uh, a calendar. She schedules activities for Liam to do, uh, to put it into perspective, our garage, which our son has too many toys, obviously. He's a four-year-old. And uh, she actually has totes in her garage full of different toys and activities that she can then bring out 
and him to do that day and then put back. And then the next day, a new tote can come out and she kind of cycles them through. This is like how organized she can be. Uh, she has a calendar. If you've been to our house, we have like a cool meal like chart uh, on our kitchen that says like meals for this week. And she already planned out our meals um, because she has to. This is who she is. She can't not operate in a, in a way of just being organized and knowing what's coming next. Sabrina needs a plan, whereas I, I never really have needed a plan. Um, and so this has been fun. Uh, our, the first year of our marriage was, I would say, very fun um, because I, get, I was able to see what a life organized looked like and not life, I think I'm just going to do this looks like. Uh, and opposites attract really applies to Sabrina and I. Like We are perfectly opposite and we are perfect for each other. But in that obsession with being a planner, there is a very gray area that people can get stuck in. If you're a planner or if you're an organizer, you're an organized person, I feel for you. I'm not that way. But when we can't, when we can't see God's plans, we tend to make our own. Or we are too busy making our own plans because we're worried we don't have one that we don't leave any time for God's plans to take effect. Thankfully, my wife, Sabrina, I'll say this, is, uh, has already figured this out. She's already figured out the trick to being good at this. The trick is that Sabrina has learned, and I have not learned yet, is to slow down, <clears throat> is to, to fully grasp how to, how to slow down. And I've always been a fast person. Uh, I like to think I'm still a fast runner, but I know I used to be much faster. Uh, I'm a fast eater. I was the youngest of, like I said, I'm the youngest of three boys, and so I had to be a fast eater. Uh, a fast decision maker. And in that, I have struggled to allow God's plans to take effect throughout my life sometimes. I've had to learn to slow down. Actually, one of the things my teachers told my parents in every parent-teacher conference I ever had was, your son's great. He's so smart, uh, but he's, he just he needs to slow down. And actually, this almost affected my, my actual career in adult life because I was received the call to be a pastor when I was about a freshman in high school at a retreat I was at, and I was one of those like cool fired up moments, and I went back home and completely forgot about it. And uh, I continued to go through high school, and then I made my own plans of being, I wanted to go to U of O or other places, and I had plans to be a physical therapist, I wanted to be a firefighter, I wanted to maybe even work in business at one point, and I started making all these plans my junior year of high school, and I didn't consult God, I didn't leave time for God, and it took me sitting down with my counselor in high school, my junior year of high school, and she said, what do you want to do with your life? And I remember about to open my mouth to say these cool things I was planning, and I was really convicted, and God said, you haven't asked me that question. And I told my counselor, I don't know. But even though I had these plans, I just had to say, I don't know. And that was my junior year. I decided to commit to going to Cambia Bible College, doing the internship years ago here. And uh, it's been the best choice of my life. But I, 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 I had to have God step in and say, you have not asked me what my plan is yet. And so church, it, sometimes we need to slow down. We need to open our eyes and we need to see God's plans. And the last thing I would say about this and, and seeing God's plans is we need to submit to God's plans. We're not going to see it unless we slow down. We're not going to see it unless we let ourselves slow down and open our eyes to actually see it and then actually submit to that plan. The second thing we can learn from this patch is this morning as we're, we're going through um, opening up our eyes to see God's provision. And this is a hard, I think this is also a hard one, not quite as hard as God's plan, but this is a hard one. And going back to our story from 2 Kings chapter 6, Elijah's servant could not see God's provision. They woke up in the morning. The army was very sneaky. I don't know how an entire army surrounds a city at nighttime with no one knowing. 
Because I know there's horses and chariots and people, I'm loud, people are loud. I don't know how a city is surrounded at night with no one knowing, but they were surrounded at night. He wakes up, he's scared, he sees this multitude of an army around their city, and he begins to panic, he begins to wonder what they're going to do. But his response, church, is the one that I love and I want us to focus on this morning. His response is the right one. He turned to Elijah for help. He turned and said, what are we going to do? He didn't start making his own plan. He didn't, in his panic, start going, oh, we need to like start ringing the bells. We need to like call to arms all the men in the city. We got to defend the city. He turns to the man of God. He turns to Elijah and says, what are we going to do? Instead of making a plan or making his own plan, he knew he had the mouthpiece of God in the same room as him. And he turned to Elijah. And really, when he turns to Elijah, he turns by extension to God and says, God, like, what are we going to do? This is so important, church, because if we don't have the ability or we don't have the, um, wow, I'm blanking on the word. I put my notes, but only, if we don't have the ability to turn to God and say, God, what are we going to do? Or even someone in our life that we can turn to for advice and say, what am I going to do? Whether it be a pastor, whether it be somewhere here in the church, whether it be a friend, someone in your family. For me, it's always been my dad. I was blessed to have a really good dad growing up. And for him, actually, I called him just this week because ironically, Mark's truck broke down two weeks ago. And on Wednesday night, my car broke down, uh, which is just a funny circumstance. It was just a dead battery, though, thankfully. So not as hard of a fix. But I called, like, one of the first things I did is I called my dad. What are, the question, when you ask the question, what are we going to do? We have to be able to turn to God and see his provision already there for us. Because church, I think the first thing for us to realize is that God has already made a solution and has a solution prepared for the problems we're facing or we're going against and the problems that we bring to him. And it's just a matter of us having the, our eyes open to see the, that provision. This is why the story calls for us to see that provision. It is there, but we are allowing, are we allowing ourselves to actually see it? What's great and so powerful is that when he says, what are we going to do to Elijah? Elijah says, his response, again, the one that gives me goosebumps is, don't worry. Like, there's more, there's more people there with us than there are with them. There's more for us than there are against us. And Elijah in that moment probably has to be like, okay, I trust you, but you're, you're crazy. You're kind of spewing things that I can't see to be true. And that's when Elijah says, like, Lord, open up his eyes. And when they see the hillsides surrounding the city above the army, it's full of flaming chariots and horses ready at the waiting for God to intervene and provide for them. It is here that we are allowing ourselves, if we're allowing ourselves to see it, and most importantly, even if we see it, are we allowing ourselves to accept that provision? Same thing with God's plan. If we see God, we can see God's plan, are we allowing ourselves to be submitted to it? There's this really funny story, and I'm sure you've maybe heard it before. It's not a true story, but it's a story of a man, and, he, who, and he's in a plane, and the plane crashes, and he happens upon a desert island, and he's stranded there, and he starts to pray, because he's, he's, he follows God, and he starts to pray and says, God, like, please come and rescue me. Like, God, come down. Save me from this fate. I'm not ready to go. Please come and rescue me. And then a canoe comes by, and the guy's like, hey, hop in. He's like, no, 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 no. God's going to save me. And then a, like a cruise liner comes by and the, the, the cruise liner is like, hey, we'll throw you, we're going to come pick you up. And he goes like, no, it's okay, God's going to save me, just keep going on your cruise. And then a plane flies by and it starts like, 
we're going to rescue you. And he's like, no, it's okay. God's going to rescue me. I got it, guys. And then he dies, unfortunately. And then he goes to heaven. And when he gets to heaven, he's like, God, what happened? You were supposed to rescue me. And God says, like, I sent you a canoe, a cruise line, and a plane, and you didn't accept any of it. This is why you're here. You ask for provision. The provision is there, but are our eyes open to actually fully see God providing for us? Church, God's provision is always there waiting on the hillsides surrounding that which is surrounding us. Whenever we're in the ravine or down at the bottom of the hill and everything is surrounding us on all sides or the army or the hosts or the things that we have, we're struggling with in our lives or there's people we can't stand or whatever it is and we feel surrounded, God's provision is already surrounding that which surrounds us and is waiting for us to see it and accept us. There's this really amazing Carrie Job song called Fight My Battles or it's called Fight My Battles parentheses surrounded because uh, it has two names. Every song has to have two names nowadays. But what's great about this song, and I actually listened to it this morning, because I, like, I knew that song, and I knew what I was speaking on, and it just it, it feels so good to hear it sang over you, that as she, she says, she goes on to say, when it feels like I'm surrounded, Lord, I'm surrounded by you. And she sings that a bunch of times, and then actually the song is incredibly long, but about seven minutes, and for about three minutes of it, she just starts singing, this is how I fight my battles is surrendered to you, surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. And it's such a powerful imagery to think of. Being, when we feel surrounded, God's already surrounded that. And are we willing to open our eyes to actually see it? This is not only for our good to church. I like to try and include other people in what I'm speaking on, even if it's for us. But if our eyes are fully open to see God's provision, we're able to help others see it as well. The better we get at seeing God providing for us, the better we're going to be able to see God providing for others and be able to give glory to God in those things too. There's times when in my life when I, like with my brothers or my friends, when they're like struggling and they're going through things and they say like, God's not here. And I say, are you kidding me? Look what he's doing in your life right now. A little while ago, I was talking to one of our leaders and he was listing all the things he's got going on. And I said, but look at all the good in your life right now. Look at all the things that God's given you. He's basically said, how can I bless you right now? And, you're, and you're, you're telling me that you, you don't feel like God's doing anything or you, you don't know what, if God's helping you make the right choice? He's blessed you with all these different options. Just pick one. If we see God's provision in our own life and we get good at it, we can help other people see it too. And lastly this morning, uh, last point, if we're willing to see things through God's eyes, we can see God's grace. This is a tough one. It's a biggie, but I want to read. I want to finish the story. This is what happens after Elisha prays to God. He said, God's like, strike this army with blindness. So Elijah doesn't even like ask God to have the hillside surrounded by flaming chariots, like surround this army and just descend upon them. Like in Lord of the Rings, the two towers, when they just go down the hill and destroy the army of orcs, that, that like amazing imagery. He doesn't ask for that. He just says, Lord, blind them. And so the Lord blinds them and this is what happens. It says, Elijah's told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. So he tells the army who's there to capture him, hey, you guys aren't in the right place. Why don't you follow me and I'll take you where you need to go? Which is really funny that they would just believe this guy. And after they entered the city, oh, sorry, I'll tell you what they needed. So he led them to the man they're looking for and he led them to Samaria. And after they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open their eyes uh, of these men, and so they can see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they looked, and there they were inside Samaria. 
When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, Elisha, shall I kill them, my, my, my father? Shall I kill them? So the king of Israel, who's been fighting these people for, for a while, he's excited because the man of God just brought them to his doorstep blind. And he's like, yes, shall I kill them? Let's defeat these people. And the response is great. Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them, and they, after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away, and they returned to their master. And so the bands of Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. And it's amazing that there's two different options and two different times where these, this invading army could have been destroyed. And Elijah chose not to. Elijah knew that because of God's power, a war could, was able to be stopped, and men's lives were, be able, were able to be spared. And when our eyes are open to see God's, what God sees and how God sees us and how God sees other people, church, we are empowered to love. We are empowered to lead with love. That, that we're empowered to have that be our first response. And it doesn't have to happen every time because I know I don't always lead with love first. But church, um, for reconciliation to happen, someone must lead with grace. Someone must lead with love and I want to ask this question, why not his church? Why not God's people? When our eyes are truly open to God's grace, we cannot help but lead with grace for others. While we live in one of the more polarizing societies and times in our, in like our country's history right now, Mark said it earlier, it's more important to have our eyes open to God's grace. Uh, differing core beliefs have begun to push us apart. Uh, I, have, uh, I have one close friend that I doesn't want to speak to me anymore because he doesn't, they don't like what I believe. If you are one, <clears throat> sorry, beliefs that are saying, if you are for one thing, you cannot be for the other. Or if you support one side, you cannot also support the other side. There's no, the middle ground is slowly spreading farther and farther apart that there's no more hope to stretch our legs as, as far as they will go and stand in the middle anymore. Tragically, of course. There's so many different options and choices that if you choose one, you automatically get labeled as not the other. Vaccine versus no vaccine. Democrat or Republican or independent somewhere. Masks or no masks. Okay? Pineapple pizza versus no pineapple on your pizza. Because we all know pineapple does not belong on pizza. If you're a pineapple person, pizza person, like my wife is, we need to have a talk. And since when did it become, church, this is, this is what I don't understand because I grew up, I'm, I'm 30 now. I know you're like, wow, only 30. I know, but I feel old. When did it become, when did it, since when did it become, versus when it become this or or that to this versus that we have to be able to stand in the gap as the lord's church to say none of this matters if we don't first love people none of these questions none of these issues truly matter if we're not loving people in the midst of them you can we can choose either side or we can stand in the middle but nothing matters if we're not seeing god's grace for the his world and his people and leading with it 
We could be totally, totally for one side, but that does not mean we don't get to show the other side grace and love and respect. Amen? I think that's something that is becoming less and less popular in our society. And I want to, my challenge for this morning as I wrap up the word is to take one thing, or maybe if there's one of these points that resonates specifically with you as an individual, or something you feel like you need your eyes open to from God this morning, is to write that thing down. Whether it's right now, if you have some paper in front of you, or if you have, you're taking notes, or when you go home today and you sit down after eating an amazing lunch, or before you take your mid-Sunday nap, write down one thing, maybe just one or, or more, but at least one thing you want to say, God, open up my eyes to this this morning. Open up my eyes to this this week. Help me to see this through your eyes, whether it be, God, help me to see your plan through your eyes this week. Help me to see your provision through your eyes this week. Or God, I am struggling to love people. Help me see your grace for me and for other people this week. Church, we can see God's plan, we can see his provision, and we can see his grace. But how, how do you specifically need your eyes open to what God wants you to see? Ask God and write that down. Because then it's put on paper, and it's just not a thought that you're not responsible to anymore, but it's an actual commitment you're responsible to. We tell our students to take notes all the time and write things down, because when you take notes, you're, you're responsible to those things you've written down. Church, this is, that's my challenge. Write something down. I don't, it could be, God, help me to see how good you are this week. God, help me to see where I am failing this week. Or God, help me to see where I'm coming short. God, help me to see clearly your plan this week. Write it down and watch how God then shows it to you. Continue to ask him. And when you see it, submit to it. When you see it, be ready for God to rock your world. Because a lot of times, especially what we tell our students is, I don't, students tell me, I don't ever hear God's voice. I don't ever hear from God. And I say, well, did you ask him to speak? And they say, yes. And I say, well, did you put yourself in a position to hear what he said? And they go, how do I do that? It's all about knowing how to hear God and to actually respond and see what he's saying and then go out and do it. So I want to pray for us for that this morning. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for uh, this passage, even from the Old Testament where we feel like we don't open it as often or... Uh, it's, it was so long ago, how can it possibly apply to us, Lord? I'm grateful that there's a story in here, and there's many, many stories in your word that we can learn from, that we can see, and Lord God, that we have confidence in the message it brings, Lord, that we can open up our eyes to see how good you are, Lord, that we can open up our eyes and be ready and willing to submit to what we're opening up our eyes to, whether it be your plan, how you provide for us, Lord, how you want us to see ourselves as a child of God, how you want us to see your grace, for us and for others, Lord, help us to open up our eyes to some of these things this week, today, Lord, and help us to be continually, 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 without ceasing, loving the people we encounter, Lord, not making it about what we stand for, what we believe, Lord, but what you stand for, what you believe, and how you see people. God, I pray that you would continue to strengthen this church, continue to strengthen your people and our church globally, Lord, as we continue to spread the good news. God, that you came, you lived, and you died, and you loved us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. For those of you guys online, you can now get out of your pajamas and actually go do something. For everyone else, thank you for listening. 
please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbefoursquare.com.